right, thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of PD Coalition's podcast. My name is Adriel Cooper, volunteer coordinator for Winsburg County. And today I have a special guest with me. Today I am interviewing Sean Swinton. He is a native and local Winsburg County. He's a graduate of Morehouse, uh, class of 2019. And so, Sean, won't you just introduce yourself to the people and get this thing rolling? Sounds good, Adriel. First of all, thank you for having me on your show, the podcast with the PD Coalition. Um, as Adriel mentioned, my name is Sean Swinton. I'm a native of King Street, a 2015 graduate of Kingston Senior High School and 2019 graduate of Morehouse College, where I majored in political science on a pre-law track. Okay, Sean, so today we're going to talk about sexual assault. Can you please start off with telling us, you know, what are your thoughts on sexual assault and, you know, where do you stand on the issue? Sure, sure. Um, I think it's very important, first of all, that we're even having the conversation as we just got started in the month of April, which is recognized as Sexual Violence and Sexual Awareness Month. Um, my stance and my beginning work with sexual assault began in college where I um, help with the National Action Network's panel that we did, uh, sexual assault awareness panels on, and also uh, former Vice President, currently President Joe Biden's It's On Us, it's on us initiative, um, basically um, combating the conversation around and the, uh, the stigma around sexual assault on college campuses. So for me, sexual assault is something that is very important that we have the conversation about and getting it out there that Folks should be aware about it. If they see it happening, we should say something about it. If we see it being done, we should not be afraid to speak up about it. We should be willing to destroy the stigma around uh, what is sexual assault. Because I think anytime someone mentions sexual assault or any sexual conversation, it's a thing that we hide or shy away from. And if we do that, then we can't have the conversation or we can't bring awareness to such a thing that is never spoken on. So I think uh, the importance of April being that month to highlight it, just not in April, but all the other months as well, um, it's important for us to know um, why sexual assault and why sexual awareness is important. So that's that's my uh, take on sexual assault and why should we be having the conversation? Because I also believe it's not had enough. Uh, I definitely think that that's true, that we could definitely talk about it a little bit more. So what strategies do you think that we can use to better educate not just young men, but women and people of all ages in general to respect uh, body autonomy and responsibilities for understanding what consent is? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it starts off, and I know it's cliche and we're going to say it quite a lot in this uh, podcast, but the, the A word of awareness, we can't say enough. I think the awareness of first recognizing what consent is, um, recognizing who has consent, uh, the power of consent, and that comes in making sure that not only young children, adults as well, uh, men and women are clear that consent is something that the individual themselves possess. So uh, there's this quote that the PD Coalition that I'm seeing here in your literature is, consent is mine to give, not yours to take. So consent is something that we um, have to teach within our schools, have to teach within our communities, and it's something that we should make sure that all students know on the basic level of consent. If we had, if I could use for an example of a child or something, 
if we had a toy or something small like that, those small lessons that can teach what consent is to children, to middle-aged kids in elementary school, to high school, and even on a college level, consent is something that you have to have permission to do. Um, it's also been said before that consent is somehow sexy or consent is somehow cool. And when we do those things, it is important that we uh, put those uh, terms or make it seem fun, but we have to make sure that there's a serious tone around it, and that comes in being the bottom line that consent is mandatory, consent is first, consent is necessary. It's not something that we should just uh, give it a cool name and say, okay, consent is this. Consent, bottom line, is mandatory, and without it, there should be nothing happening. So that's that's what I think, and the tactics around that and, and improving our knowledge base on what consent is is simply, again, um, having seminars on it, making sure that it's given out in our schools, um, making sure that our parents are teaching it at home, even on the basic level. And I would also like to know, um, you know, especially starting with children, consent can definitely be taught and worded in a way that children understand, just like you stated. Um, parents starting with a toy and asking, can I play with it? And if it's no, teaching that child to understand and setting boundaries, I think is also very important. I know here at PD Coalition, we have different programs and education set up where we do have a grade level criteria of teaching, um, consent and boundaries to children starting as early as elementary, even the primary uh, grade level where they can understand these things. And then that way when they get older as part of preventative education, they will understand how to respect other people's boundaries and their bodies as well. Absolutely. And so moving on to the next question, should our focus be on educating people about consent and respect, making more stringent punishments for perpetrators? Or what should we be doing? Um, I think it's a combination of both. So I think the second part of your question was, should we have more stringent uh, punishments? And the first part again, what was it? For um, educating people about consent and respect, I think you... Okay. Um, uh, so I, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's the component of both being done at the same time, I believe. Of course, that we just mentioned uh, consent and educating people, making sure that they're informed about how to give consent, what is uh, required to ask of consent. And then also, I think, a, a deterrent or a, um, a tool, if you will, to make sure that consent is given would be more um, stringent punishment for sexual assault and the, the ramifications of if you do commit these acts or crimes or if you uh, commit sexual violence or sexual assault there are punishments and these things are in place to deter you from doing that. So I, I think to answer your question, if if we did both at the same time, I think that will combat it. So you have to make sure that we inform people on what consent is in the second part. I definitely do believe um, if we were to have more stringent punishments, that would um, deter the amount of sexual assault cases and sexual violence that we see. You're a future law professional. <laughs> So what do you think that could be done a little more on the side of law, looking at the way that our current laws are set up? 
when it comes to sexual assault and accusations? Uh, yes, I am a future law professional. I like how you put that, Adriel. <laughs> so I'm currently, um, of course, as mentioned before, just graduated undergrad and currently in my gap years before law school. So I'm looking to start law school soon. On the legal aspect of sexual assault and sexual violence, I think the the laws for um, when an allegation can be brought about or of course we now have statutory limits to uh, statutory um, statute limitations for when a sexual assault case can be brought up. But I think the the law now as it stands on these cases basically um, I do agree that all cases should be investigated because as, as we know from history, um, just in general, that if an allegation is brought, you first have to um, have an investigation or have something done because if that were the case, if it wasn't the case rather, uh, people could just say that they've been sexually assaulted and the person who was the perpetrator could, would just be responsible without an investigation. So I think the law is um, clear on all sexual assault allegations being brought up and they and them then being investigated. But I do think the law could, as we mentioned, do a bit more on the side of when these acts happen, uh, the punishment level for them. So oftentimes we'll see, and even in uh, current event news, um, when someone has been found guilty of these sexual assault charges, especially one of the most heinous crimes of it all, well, they all are heinous, but on children, and they receive these small sentences or they're able to serve a small amount of years in prison for people who go to prison for much uh, uh, longer times for things that are not as serious. So I think the uh, punishments, going back to the previous questions, in setting the tone uh, for the amount of years when found guilty for sexual assault, uh, rape in this specific instance that I'm referring to, would definitely uh, help on the legal side to deter people from doing that. Absolutely. Uh, what are the ripple effects of that you think are like some of the ripple effects from sexual assault and leading up after the assault has occurred? Um, uh, reviewing some of the statistics on sexual assault and, and oftentimes what we see whether well, the changes in a child or the changes in an adult after experiencing something so traumatic like that, the ripple effects, they vary from small things to even larger life-altering situations. Um, and I think um, they start off small and oftentimes it's always said, well, you can always tell when a child has been assaulted or something has changed. So, And I also want to make it a clear point to note that sometimes you won't see a change or sometimes you will, but the ripple effects I think they start small. They start if someone is acting different than normal, if someone is uh, shying away or not their normal, typical self. So the ripple effects start there. And then it, it grows even more when um, the child or students on college campuses uh, have a disconnect with their purpose in life or have a disconnect and go into a state of depression or have anxiety, not being able to go to classes. Or it basically, the ripple effect affects them small starting off and it grows and grows and grows and some people are able not to have any effects at all so i think the ripple effects they they vary case by case but they um they definitely are um effects that 
are immediate and sometimes, as we've seen as well in the news, the effects may not come immediate. The effects could be uh, long later in life after uh, dealing with it or after unpacking it and, and actually seeking help or therapists or some form or some method that will help you um, unpack that, that experience that you had. So the ripple effects, again, it's just, it's many effects. Um, it's um, all over the place when it comes to sexual assault or sexual violence and how it can affect a person and it's different person to person. As a community, do you think that we are informed enough uh, for the signs of sexual violence or sexual assault? Or should we be focusing more on community-based education when it comes to bringing awareness? I think community-based education um, is definitely key to combating sexual assault, uh, the different forms of it, and again, just the conversation around it. Um, as I was saying earlier, we, we shy away from it. It's a thing that we don't discuss, like uh, the the latest sneaker that's out or the football game that's coming on on Sunday. It's something that we uh, may read or see on the news and then it's only at that time that we discuss it. We only seem to address it when it comes up. So I think community-based knowledge and um, knowing that it is something that occurs and it occurs often, it occurs more often than not or more often than we think it does. So community-based um, awareness, community-based um seminars and information on it we cannot get enough of it and i think uh, the problem lies when we begin to discuss it or when we begin to have these conversations around it we are asked or the question becomes why are we having that conversation or because we don't see it we don't hear about it we don't feel it's important but that's the the stigma there around this entire conversation and why april has been um selected as a month for awareness for it i think too often we just dismiss it when if we address that as a community or address it as a whole or, and even before going to the community, Adriel, it's back into the home. So um, start off early, that information and just the awareness of it is, is vital. And as African-Americans, uh, you're African-American, we're both African-American, especially in the black community. Do you think that we discuss sexual assault enough? I, I know often hear different things of, we put emphasis and a lot of focus on how we dress and pay attention to young girls, especially black girls. I don't think they are allowed to do things that other kids of other ethnicities get to do. Like I know long hair was a issue growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, they like to make sure, oh, you can't have that hairstyle. Keep their hair in a ponytail. That makes them look too grown. Or you can't wear red fingernail polish. That They're going to make you think you're an adult or... You know, oh, she can't wear that. That's a little too form-fitting. It makes her look grown. And it's as if we're already putting the blame on the child. As in, it's your responsibility to protect yourself from sexual assault or the gaze of someone who's interested in children. When I think that we should be changing that and focusing on identifying and eliminating these people from society and getting them prosecuted or getting them help, whatever it is that needs to be done and not just putting the blame all on a child. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that was a loaded question. Um, um, 
and I was right there with you, um, nodding to the points of children and the aspect of, of course, the stigma, and of course the difference in um, what we recognize to be a, a young lady um, being seen as too grown or too adult or um, as if, as you just stated, that it's their responsibility to protect themselves from those who may be the predator. Um, but one example that I think um, you mentioned about school or young ladies in school, um, I know when I was in high school, one thing that I always thought was strange, uh, you and I went to the same high school, Kingston <laughs> High School, um, that young ladies were sent home or had to wait up front in the office because their shoulders were out. Yes. Um, and I guess for some odd reason, I guess an elbow or a pelvic, was this bone called? Pelvic bone? Yeah. Pelvic bone may be tantalizing for boys to look at young men. Um, and we would somehow have a problem be unable to focus if a young lady was sitting in class. It's like, oh yeah, ooh, a girl's shoulder. Get a, get, get a, get all the guys a nice bucket. Right, right. Never understood it. <laughs> um, that, those are the, uh, wrongs, I believe, around sexual awareness, not even sexual assault, but just sexual awareness, because we're teaching young ladies that they must cover themselves, and, and of course, the idea or the thing around covering yourself should first be on the young lady herself, because I, I'm under the impression that regardless of what a young woman puts on, a young man puts on, and it's not one side just for young women or whatever a young man puts on, you're not entitled to their body. If a young lady has on a miniskirt, that's her choice and you're still not entitled to her body. So the conversation and making sure that our young girls know that the question shouldn't be, well, what were you wearing or what did you have on? Because now we're blaming the victim even before they tell their story. So it's oftentimes... Uh, heard too much that we first respond and say, well, well, you know, you shouldn't have been wearing that. As if because you wore that, you basically asked for uh, someone to sexually assault assault you. So I, I think that conversation is important to make sure that both men and women are aware, regardless of what you do, your wearing of clothes or your choice of friends or where you hang out or wherever you are is not an invitation for somebody to have access to your body in any form, not just um, because you decide to wear a miniskirt or not just because you decided to um, have your shoulders out at school. It's, it's not an invitation for someone to have access to your body. And I think that's the, the, the point. What was the, the second part of your question, Adriel? Or did I answer that? <laughs> yeah, I, you answered it. <laughs> And I also want to make a note that, you know, we're we're not targeting men here as in, oh, we're here to only protect women because that's definitely not what we're trying to get at. And I want to make a message very clear to young girls is that also when you see a young man in basketball shirt, that does not give you the right to touch them either. And everyone should uh, respect boundaries and keep your hands to yourselves and if you want to touch them, make sure you have consent. Absolutely. And Adriel, to that same point, and that's why I was making sure that I say for both uh, women and men, uh, boys and girls, it's not one-sided. And even in conversation now, it seemed as if, and even when your uh, listeners tune into this, 
it's never one-sided, but the stigma around it is always, and that's the disclaimer that we, we're now trying yeah. to make to say, um, we're not just talking about girls. We're talking about guys, too, because statistics show that it's just not young girls or women being raped. Men are being raped as well. Of course, numbers are higher for women being raped, but uh, men and young boys are being raped and sexually assaulted um, just as just as well as young women are. So the uh, so the balance and conversation of awareness is on both sides, and the understanding. As we're on this topic, I'll just throw this uh, other thing out there where um, it's been said before that many women um, know another woman who's been sexually assaulted. But when we ask the question to men, do you know any rapists or men who have sexually assaulted women? The answers are not the same. So we have to ask ourselves, well, every 10 women know another 10 set of women who have been sexually assaulted. But when you ask five men, do you know any men who sexually assaulted a woman? The conversation is no. So it's it does seem as if when we have these conversations or when this awareness is done, that it's always on the negative side of men and women's side but as men we have to um make sure that we are supportive of our women or supportive of women in general um when they uh have an allegation against someone who have sexually violated them in any form and make sure that we speak up not just when it's our mother or sister but when it happens to anybody because i think often too too many times we'll say well that's not happening in my area, so I'm not concerned about it. Or that's not happening in my family, so it's not a concern of mine. But I think anything happening um, close or surrounding us, it too can happen. We just can't wait until it hits our door to start having the conversation. We must be conscious enough to know that if it's happening to our neighbor down the street, then the conversation is now and important to have. And I want to piggyback off of that. I know you're you're a man, but I also know that you're not the spokesperson for all men. Absolutely. But <laughs> I want to ask you, do men have that conversation among their friend group and their bros and their brothers of what's consent or if they've ever felt like they've gone too far with the woman or at least keeping their friends accountable for their actions? Uh, for me, and I'm glad you made the disclaimer that no, I'm not the spokesperson for uh, all men, but uh, me being um, aware of the one-sidedness of sexual awareness and sexual assault, um, I can honestly say that I've had conversations with my guy friend groups and we've broken this down, unpacked it, and we've discussed uh, uh, in a safe space. And of course, all things said are always not going to be right. But the purpose of having the conversations are to educate each other, make each other aware of these things. And it's always interesting to me when you speak with people who you've been friends with all your life and their perspective on things. We sometimes just assume that our friends or guys or all women um, know and are under the same belief. But one example that I can share, of course, uh, not the details of the conversation, but just a couple of weeks ago, I was in the barbershop um, and the conversation came up or a comment came up and one person disagreed with it. And then it turned the entire conversation on a Saturday morning to what is sexual assault and what is sexual consent. Um, and, I, and I thought that was uh, an eye-opening moment because that was my first time being in, in a barbershop where that conversation was happening. And what I enjoyed most about it was seeing uh, the 
the passion from everybody who was on one side of the conversation and was on the other side of the conversation and to see that younger uh, boys were sitting in the barbershop also taking this in. So I think that right there in itself um, is important that that conversation is had, not just all the time about uh, anything, but things sometimes of substance of substance and things that are um, going to be um, impactful in in the lives of those who may be listening. Like the young kid who I'm picturing now, he was intensely listening. And I was like, this conversation could do one of two things. It could either bring him awareness to something or it can have him to be dismissive about this topic like some people in the conversation were. But at, at the end of that conversation, of course, after myself and some other people chimed in um, with some good points, I thought we were able to come to a, a ground of understanding. And, and one thing I have witnessed when someone believes something or when someone has something ingrained in them, it's difficult for them to grapple with something and then change their perspective. I think you're more of a man when you're able to have a, a perspective on something, learn from it if it's incorrect, and then be willing to say, okay, I, I may have been wrong in my thinking about this and I'm willing to make that choice to change. And not only just change, um, I'm going to consciously make an effort to do better. So I think that is important that those conversations are had. Is it had enough? I don't think so. But that's why we're having this podcast now to make sure it does. <laughs> so sexual assault is oftentimes defined as a gender-based uh, issue, mostly of women. And, you know, we are currently still in the Me Too movement. But do you think that the Me Too and uh, sexual assault awareness is inclusive enough? Because typically, well, what I've seen is that, you know, it's usually young white women who are the forefront of gender uh, based issue that they consider to be sexual assault and me too. Mm -hmm. What is it that we can do to change that narrative and make it more inclusive? Because as we're, as we stated earlier, you know, young men and boys and anyone have, can also be a victim of sexual assault. Um, so is, is the question basically how can we make it more inclusive? Because there's this notion that sexual assault is a women's issue. Mm -hmm. um, I think it goes back to knowing, um, and I'm pausing because I'm trying to make sure I answer the question fully without bringing up something that's not in the question. But women's issues are men's issues. Um, when it's in certain aspects, um, there's a controversial topic now that's out there. Of course, I won't get into that in this podcast. But when sexual assault is happening, it's just not, and this is not just men and women, but I believe it's the entire LGBTQIA community as well and different ages. Um, I think an issue of sexual assault has to be led understood, made aware of by all parties included because it does sometimes seem as if, and not just sometimes seem, we know it's been proven um, and we see too often where, and I hate to bring in race in this, but the the plight of uh, black women who have sexual assault allegations and in comparison to white women who have sexual assault allegations or 
the plight of men who have sexual assault allegations against women. There's always a different uh, category when we place them um, in that pot of differences. But I think collectively the approach and what will bring us more awareness of is knowing that we cannot glorify one group over the other and saying, well, a middle-aged white woman or a college white young lady is to be respected and seen as um, telling the truth more so than uh, a black young lady or any type of difference like that that we place on belief or even hearing the the statement or hearing the truth to someone who's been sexually assaulted, we have to make sure that um, we're not biased in that aspect. Absolutely. So going forward, do you think it's beneficial to discuss sexual assault in pop culture outlets such as TV shows, movies? And what are the effects of these images? Are these portrayals and are they in the correct light? Are we on the right path or is it a how to or is it so horrific that it's actually an act of deterrence? Where's the line? Because, you know, some people I know certain shows that were previously popular on Netflix and HBO Max, they recently had to go back and cut certain scenes because it had sexual assault and there initially wasn't a trigger warning and mm-hmm. it was causing victims to relive their trauma. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's more beneficial or is it more hurtful than anything? Um, I completely believe it's definitely more beneficial um, for several reasons. The last reason you just mentioned that some shows were on Netflix and HBO. And I know the shows you're referring to because I saw the controversy around it on Twitter that uh, made them draw back and uh, take some of those episodes out. I think when we have those discussions or when we see things like that on our outlets, Netflix or HBO, and victims who are traumatized by it um, speak out and say that this was wrong in this way and I've somehow had a uh, uh, traumatic experience to be relived through this show. I think we only get better with doing better if we are actually okay with putting it, not even okay with putting it out there, if you will, if we're okay with uh, being corrected. So that conversation being had uh, on our pop culture or TV shows like that, someone who now works on that show or someone who works for Netflix would now be more conscious when shows come out or basically the editors, anytime something is done or we have to have that conversation that path to correct a problem or have that conversation of how this could have been offensive to somebody. That's why representation is important in all aspects, not just uh, black or white or age representation, but someone who's sitting at the table to say this somehow could be triggering for somebody. A group of 10 people may be able to watch that same show and be fine with it. But we always have to be conscious of different people's experiences and how different things affect affect, uh, different people. With pop culture, um, I think you mentioned music as well. Um, I think some of it, and I must be candid, some of it is detrimental because it's basically all the work in the world can be done on Netflix, HBO, and other uh, cable news networks or different TV platforms. 
But when we have something that's countering all that's already been learned through those shows and we hear different things in our music or we see different things on different shows, those who are being taught slowly by <laughs> cable news or music or those who may have a different perspective are confused. They don't know what is consent. They don't understand why Netflix did decide to take something down or if my if my certain type of music is telling me that I can do this to a woman or I can do this to a man, it, it becomes normal. So I think the line there is making sure that we're consistent and making sure just as Netflix, and, and this comes from a place where Netflix, the corporation, was conscious enough to know that this was triggering and they cared enough to know that sexual assault awareness is important and we should pull it from our show. I think that has to happen within our... Uh, uh, music industries or different labels to know that we may need to filter somehow this thing that's affecting us. I definitely agree with all of that. And, you know, that also goes back to that's why it's very important for parents to teach their children consent at an early age. So therefore Absolutely. they know how to differ all of these things because, you know, this music and TV, it's not real life. And, Especially when kids are young and they're at a very impressionable age, they're consuming this in media. Mm -hmm. Unintentionally, they're programming their brain to thinking that this is okay. This is, I see this on TV. I can do it. And I think that's why it's always important that we keep ourselves accountable, even as adults, uh, millennials, teenagers, no matter your age. Be mindful of the content that you consume and always be open to having those conversations with your friends and keeping everybody accountable and aware because... You never know what you're mindfully, unwillingly putting in your brain. And that way, if you're always informing yourself and having these conversations, that keeps you in check. Absolutely. I agree. Well, Sean, this has been a great conversation. And I hope our listeners find this uh, podcast episode just as educational and as fun as we did. Absolutely. I know we've been going a minute. (laughs) (laughs) It it seems like it's only been five. Right, right, right. It's, it's so much to uh, discuss and so much to unpack. Um, in closing, if I could just share any final thoughts of sexual assault awareness and why, this is, why it is important. Um, the effects that we do today or the effects that we have on people when we violate them will last with them for a lifetime. So as you were saying, we have to be conscious of what we are unconsciously putting, of what we are unconsciously putting into our mindsets to not be aware of how your actions could affect somebody else. So for me, it's always important when I hear the conversation of uh, people who have been victims of sexual assault or those who seek help and don't know which way to turn or look for different organizations. I think it's always important that we, as a collective, as a community, as a whole, recognize something traumatic has happened and we have to be um, compassionate to the point of hearing their stories and to those who are um, the doers of this type of assault it must be clear to you it has to be clear and and pretty much made known that you're affecting somebody for their uh, for a lifetime definitely This has definitely been formative. And in closing, I want to thank you all for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. 
for anyone who this is your first time listening and are new to our podcast, PD Coalition is a nonprofit volunteer organization dedicated to the reduction of sexual assault, family violence, and child abuse into the needs of victims. We have a skew of services that we offer, and our crisis line number is 1-800-273-1820, and it's open 24-7 with confidential services. And if you like what you hear and would like to listen to any of our future episodes, please subscribe and also follow us on social media, uh, PD Coalition. You can look that up on Facebook. And also, if you want to keep up with anything specifically in Winsboro County, please follow Legacy PDC, and that'll keep you updated and informed with everything that's going on in PD Coalition in Winsboro County. Once again, I want to thank our guest, Sean Swinton. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you. And see you guys next time.